You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. I have a message in my heart, and I have titled it, What Christmas Means to You. What Christmas Means to You. Um, This is a season in the year that tends to intensify every emotion that you feel on a week-to-week basis throughout the year. Typically, in this season of the year, if you are a person who, are, who is uh, uh, happy, joyful, you have opportunities during this season to be more joyful, to be happier, to express those emotions even more. In the same way, and this can happen to the same person, If you are facing some battles, if you are facing some things, if you're going through some valleys, if you are facing some situations that that are difficult, this season tends to be a season where those emotions get intensified, where things can come to the surface in in a way that is a little bit more intense than other seasons. This season presents an opportunity for you to just experience those things and relive some of the things that you might have Uh, live through the year. And for some of you, this season is a season that is surrounded by stress, is surrounded by this sense of of pressure. And, you know, sometimes it it involves memories of sadness. Sometimes it may involve things that, you know, it just brings you down a little bit. For a lot of people, and research has shown that this is a season that can bring people into sadness, even though it's meant to be a joyful season. Now, those emotions... It's not that, I don't think it's, it's because you don't experience those emotions in other seasons of the year, in other moments in the year, other months of the year. I just think that it's harder to hide during the holiday season, you know, because in the spring, there's a lot for you to do, right? In the spring, like the flowers are blooming and the warmth of the sun just comes in and, and pushes the cold away and melts the ice and... You know, you can, can get busy with spring cleaning. You can get busy with planning your summer. In the spring, you know, I mean, really, Jesus rose again in the spring. So there's a lot to celebrate and to hide behind. The same thing in the summer. In the summer, you can get busy with vacation. You can go away. If you're a student, you can ignore those people you see every day in school. You know, you can take a break from them and all the pressure and in the fall, it's the same way. In the fall, you have opportunities to just hide and not experience those things so uh, strongly. You know, in the fall, you can basically drown those emotions with a venti spice, uh, pumpkin spice latte, right? Just put some ep- extra whipped cream on top there and all of those things go away. But in the holidays, during the holidays, it's a little bit tougher because if you live away from family, for example, and you miss them and you can't see them, that feeling of separation, of loneliness can get intensified. If you lost a loved one in the holidays, you can't help it but miss them a little bit more because you want to share those moments and experiences with them. You know, if you went through something difficult earlier in the year, you know, and you have regrets, you have things that you battled and fought in the holidays, they have a tendency of resurface. And then you see people that you haven't seen in a year, and sometimes for good reason, And it seems like they want to ask you the questions that you don't want to answer. 
They want to ask you the questions that you don't want to talk about. So the holiday can be a season where instead of being a season to enjoy, it can become a season to avoid. Maybe you enjoy the day, like right? Christmas Day. Maybe you enjoy like Thanksgiving Day, but everything else that, that surrounds it may be a little bit tough. Now, if that's you, if you're here today and any, you come even close to this, it would be a shame for you to go on and experience the holiday season or Christmas in that way. It would be a shame for you to have that paradigm and live in that mindset through the season. So today, I want to share with you a few things that will maybe give you some principles and some ideas for you to have a Christmas rebirth, okay? So that you can know what Christmas should mean to you. I want to share a few things with you, a few thoughts today. And we're going to go to a passage in Luke that talks about an encounter that Jesus had with ten People. Jesus met 10 people that had a really, really bad year. In fact, they had a bad life. They had a bad life. It's safe to say that they had a bad life. And uh, they were living in a way that really uh, uh, was hopeless. It was entirely hopeless until they met Jesus. Until they came into contact with Jesus. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19, we will read from the ESV version, and it says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, that was Jesus, and he entered the village, he was, as he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And when he fell on his face at Jesus's, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answers, answered, "Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except?" this foreigner and he said to him rise and go your way your faith has made you well now you may have had a difficult 2017 maybe you faced some things this year that threw a loop threw you for a loop like maybe your year was shook you up a little bit maybe you faced some things in 2017 that were hard they were difficult but I doubt I don't think 99% of us here had as bad a year as those 10 people right there those 10 folks had a really bad year. Their situation was entirely, entirely hopeless. The group of people that Jesus ministered to and met, they were legitimate outcasts in every sense of the word. Their life was a life of an outcast. See, I don't think there's anything in the modern world, anything in our current modern world that can be compared to what life looked like for a leper in ancient world. I don't think there's anything that we can quite compare and translate uh, um, now in our, in our world. The only thing that I can think of, you know, is when someone is diagnosed with a, a, a serious illness. Now, I don't mean to compare symptoms, okay? There are diseases that are stronger. I'm not trying to be insensitive here and say that there, there's nothing we experience today that is as bad. Of course, there are horrible diseases that can attack your body and they, and they can be uh, uh, much more aggressive than the, the kind of illness they had. What I'm talking about is how that illness defined them, 
how that situation defined their life in every single sense, in every single experience in their life. I don't think there's anything that can quite compare unless, you know, somebody is diagnosed with a very severe illness. You know, let's say somebody gets diagnosed with a severe illness like cancer or something similar. The moment that diagnosis is made public, the moment the family or the friends know about it, immediately that person uh, becomes uh, uh, defined by that situation. You know, uh, little by little, every conversation will involve the illness. Little by little, every phone call will involve some kind of medical report. Little by little, every interaction will involve some type of reminder that they are battling this uh, fight. That they're fighting this disease. You know, and, and it, it, there's not a waking day that somebody who today, nowadays, that is diagnosed with such a, a, a disease, a severe illness, that they, they'll go by without thinking about it. Every single day they think about it or they're reminded of it. I think that's the closest thing we could get from what these guys suffered in the first century. But the big difference is this. Whereas a serious illness here today in, in 2017 would evoke compassion from those people around you, where it would evoke a sense of sacrifice to go and help and surround that person with love and, and warmth and, and care. In the first century, if you were a leper, that would evoke rejection. These people were rejects. Firstly, because the way that they treated that, that condition, the way that they kept it from becoming an epidemic, they had to seclude those people because leprosy was very contagious. So those guys, they could not mix with clean people. They could not mix with healthy people. They had to live apart from healthy people. And also the other thing is that it was believed in their culture, sometimes, many times, they believed that the person with the disease was culpable. That they must have done something that would have provoked such a curse. They must have lived in such a way that invited in that condition. So they were outcasts. They were pushed aside. They had to live a certain way. In fact, in Leviticus, we find a little bit of context in Jewish culture, how they diagnosed and how they, they uh, treated people with leprosy. And the priest was at the center of that process. When somebody suspected that they had leprosy, they had to go see the priest. And the priest would, would examine it. If the priest was not sure that that person actually had leprosy, he would quarantine that person. He would seclude that person for seven days. And that person would stay under observation apart from everybody else for seven days. And if the disease spread or if later on the priest uh, uh, had a, a more assurance that that was actually leprosy, then that person would be deemed unclean. But if there was, if the person came to the priest and he knew without a shadow of a doubt that that person was a leper, the priest would mark that person as unclean. And that would define their life forever until they had the disease, for, for as long as they had the disease. In Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, we read this. This was the law. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. 
He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. How do you get the picture here? Leprosy was bad news. These guys were not only suffering with an illness on their body, but they were suffering emotionally, socially. They were outcasts. They were discriminated against. They were oppressed. They were separated from any normal social behavior. They were outcasts. And in the common ground of their misery, in the common ground of their, pa uh, their, their pain, they found each other. And so there's a group of 10 people suffering with the same kind of paradigm. And they found each other. These 10 people found each other. Now maybe you're here this morning and the thing that's trying to define you, the thing that's trying to take center stage, center place in your life has a different name. Maybe the thing that's trying to force you to be, you know, uh, into seclusion has a different name. It's trying to take center place in your life and define you and change every single aspect of your life and dreams and future. Maybe it's not leprosy. But maybe it's a dead relationship. Maybe it's financial debt that you're facing that it's redefining your emotions. It's redefining your relationships. It's taking center place of your life. Maybe it's a child that has run off course and you don't know what to do about Maybe it's a season of winter and you've, having, you've been hoping for spring. You've been hoping for some fruit out of that tree, but it, everything is just dormant. It, it's like winter will never end. And you won't see spring. Maybe the thing that's trying to redefine your life today is not even you. Maybe it's somebody in your household or somebody you have a close relationship with. They are battling something. They are carrying a burden. And that burden has become your burden. And now you're carrying it. It's becoming heavy. And it's defining your life. It's becoming something that it's surrounding you and taking your attention. You know, those ten lepers would have had no hope. They would have had no solution for their predicament. In their life, all they could hope for was for them to get better. But if they didn't, that was it. That was their life. There was no hope for a relationship. There was no hope for a business. There was no hope for anything they could start to get out of that. That was their life. They were lepers. They had to wear torn clothes, let their hair hang loose, and scream unclean, and stay at a distance. But then there was Christmas. Christmas changed everything because on Christmas, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. There was Jesus, the hope for this situation. So I want to share a couple things here today to help you rewrite what Christmas means to you because if you are close to any of these situations if you're facing something that's trying to redefine your life and that has tried to take center stage especially in the season but throughout the year that has tried to take center stage of your life and steal your dreams steal your your focus steal, steal your future we need to redefine what Christmas really really means first thing that we learn from this scripture is this is that Christmas is a reminder not only that Jesus has come to us, but that we can come to him. 
we can come to him. Those ten lepers heard of Jesus. They knew of Jesus. And they stood at a distance. There's there's something in there that, that just speaks. They stood at a distance. And what that tells you is that you can come to God. You can come to him with your paradigm. With your worldview, exactly as you are, with your pain, with your situation, you can come to God as you are. And you can come to Him even from a distance. From a distance, they stood. From a distance. You know, I don't know what what's, has brought you here today, but maybe you're here today and you're going through things that don't feel like, you know, you don't feel like you can come to God with boldness and enter into his presence and be close to God. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't feel like you're in a place emotionally, physically, or you're in a place in your soul that you can just enter into his presence and come to him really close. But you can come to him even from a distance. You can come to him in your condition, in your situation, where you are, in what you're facing, you can come to him. They came to Jesus in their condition, in their suffering, with their paradigm, understanding the world through their eyes. Now, you know why they stood at a distance? Because they were not allowed to come close to a clean person or a healthy person. And that's the only way they knew how to interact and how to face Somebody who was clean. That was the only way. But even from a distance, they cried out. Now, Christmas is a reminder to all of us that no matter how far we stand, no matter how far we stand from God, no matter how far we think we are from God, if we cry out, even from a distance, and if we ask for His mercy, He will listen. He will listen. That's what Christmas is. It's a reminder that no matter how far we stand, God will listen. The second thing that I want to share with you today is that Christmas is a reminder that Jesus can get a new destination out of old pathways. Jesus can get a new result out of old methods. And I want you to get this in your spirit today. I want to get you this in your, in your heart because there's truth here for you. And if you've been living hopeless, there's hope here for you. These guys, picture this. These guys or girls, it doesn't say if they were men or women. But these guys, they were a group of people that they were in desperate need of a miracle. There was no hope for them. They needed a miracle. They needed something to come into their their situation and remove it and restore it and change it. And there was no hope until Jesus came. And Jesus came and he healed people in their condition. He healed people that were facing the same thing that they were facing. They heard about him. And they had the opportunity to meet him. And so from a distance, they didn't even have to say or show anybody their condition. Everybody knew. From a distance, they just cried out and said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And I have... I imagine that they would have expected something miraculous to happen. I imagine that they would have expected, this is the, if this is the Son of God, something is going to go down here. Jesus is going to put down like some lightning bolt. Something is going to happen that is miraculous. Maybe we're going to fly. 
Maybe he's going to do something and everything is going to change in our lives. I don't know, but there has to be miraculous. It has to be some kind of, of display of power. And all they hear from Jesus is, go show yourself to the priest. Really? Really? There was nothing miraculous about taking a path that they had already taken many times before. See, this was not something new for them. They had already seen the priest. In fact, they only got their, they got their diagnosis because they saw the priest. This was not a new path. This was not something out of, out of the ordinary. There was nothing miraculous about taking the road to see the priest. There was nothing miraculous about what Jesus said. It was a common pathway that they had taken before. There was nothing amazing or extraordinary about it. But because Jesus said so, because Jesus commanded, because he directed, as they went, as they went, as they put, as they put motion to their faith, as they put their heart behind of what Jesus had told them to do, As they went, as they took action, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. And some of you, you need to listen. You need to get this down in your spirit. Because sometimes the path to your miracle is an old road that you have traveled many times before. Sometimes the path to your miracle is doing the same thing you have done before. But this time, you feel something different. This time, you have a sense that, that, that it's not just you trying it again. It's not just you going to the priest on your own. There's something different here. This time, you have a sense that it's God asking you. And maybe you're here today, and you've been praying. You've been asking, God, I need a transformation. I need a miracle. I need a difference. I need, I need something to happen in my life, just like these ten lepers. I need restoration. And you, what you're hearing, what you're sensing is something you have done before. Something common that you have done many times before. It's a path that you have tried many times before. They had traveled that road before. They knew exactly how to get there. They had seen the priest before. But because Jesus spoke it. So my encouragement to you today, if God is asking you to do something you have done before, do it. Because this time, it might be different. You might be praying and saying, God, I need an answer. I need something different. And God is saying, just try it one more time. Once again, one more time. He will get you to your destination. The third thing I want to tell you today is that Christmas is a reminder that we must pause to praise. We must pause to praise. And this is, this is really, really Important. This is something we need to do. We need to, to discipline ourselves to do that. It says in that passage that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now this passage shows us because there was, not, there was ten of them, but only one came back. 
what it shows us is that we have a tendency to be next thing minded. We have a tendency to always have our mind on the next thing. To move on to the next thing. To get to the next thing without pausing to reflect on how far we've come. See, maybe you're thinking, my God, I have so much ground to take. There's so much I have to move and, and, and to, to conquer. But if you can pause and look at how far you've come. If you can pause and look at how far God has brought you. You will have reasons to not only praise, but you will sense your faith being strengthened. See, we can be so preoccupied with the next thing that we can develop this mindset of finally, now I can move on. Finally, now I can go to the next thing. Finally, now I can go to the next season. It can happen with simple things. We have three kids. Two of them are twins and they are three years old now. And this was a, this was a big year for them. Because this year was the year where they learned how to put sentences together to communicate. When they started the year, it was one word here and there. Now they're putting sentences together. They can actually express their will and their desire. They can say no. Oh, yeah. No. They can say yes. They can say no. They can tell you what they want. And that's really good. This was the year where we stored the stroller. They can walk around with us now. They can go places. They just walk beside us. You know, this was also the year... Where they learn how to use the potty. That's a big deal. That's a big deal, man. Ditching the diapers and embracing the charming. <laughs> That's a big deal. But you can easily, you can easily just bypass all the things that God has blessed us with. All the, the, the development and the, the, the ground that they have con conquered. You can bypass that and say, now onto the next thing. We can get them ready for kindergarten in a year and a half. On to the next thing. We can, get, we, can, we can go to the next phase. And maybe your situation, by comparison, is not as simple. Maybe it's a little bit more complex. You know, maybe it was a career change. Maybe it was a new job. Maybe what you're facing now is something that, you know, you conquered a health situation. Maybe you beat an addiction that you were, that you were fighting against. And this has been a year where you have, you have made, you've, you have gained ground. And now you're thinking, on to the next thing. Now that I have the job, I got to pay the bills, man. I got I to catch up. Now that I'm healthy again, I got to lose the weight. I got to go to the gym. Now that I beat this addiction, I got I to gotta repair some relationships. I got to go to the next thing. No, 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 no. Pause. Press pause. And realize that even though you have been through this road before, even though you have tried before, you got it now. Because he's with you. You got it now because God is with you. He opened the door and he led you to where you are. So pause. Pause and praise. Pause to praise. Recognize that God is with you. And the lesson from this one leper for you and I today is that before he went to the priest to get his clean bill of health, before he went to the priest... To get to the place where he had been dreaming for. I mean, this was the dream. Getting that word from the priest saying, you are clean, would open all the opportunities that he was hoping for. That they were hoping for. So no wonder that these guys just jetted for the priest and on to the next thing. But the lesson we learn from the foreigner 
The one that was unfamiliar with Jesus' ways. The one that was unfamiliar. He was the not religious, religious guy. He was the guy that wasn't so sure, you know. The lesson we learn is this. Stop. Pause. And give honor where honor is due. Praise. And I'm sure that if you do that, if you actually do that, what I mean by pause is actually pause. Actually take time to sit down in your den, in your chair, in your living room, outside if it's warm enough. And think about all the things you have overcome this year. Think about all the things that you have seen happen. If you ended the year in good health, my goodness, that's something to praise God for. If you accomplished things in your job, if you, if you were able to move in any area of your life, that's a reason for you to pause and praise. But the other thing that we learn from this person, from this one man, is this. That if you think you bumped into Jesus on your way to what you were looking for, if you think that running into Jesus was by chance as you were searching for meaning or as you were searching for some kind of spiritual enlightenment, if you think that running into Jesus was uh, simply a step or maybe Jesus is a season in your life as you are growing and evolving, you're mistaken. What we learn from this person is that Jesus is not going to get you to where you need to go. Jesus is where you need to go. He's not the way to somewhere else. You can clap for that. He is the way. Jesus is not a way to your destination. Jesus is the destination. He is the gift. He is the one. He is the way. He is the answer. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So if you're here today and you're engulfed by circumstances that are trying to take center place in your life like those ten people were circumstances that were trying to rewrite their identity and for them it had happened it had rewritten their identity if you're here facing something that is trying to steal every single positive emotion and enjoyment out of this season let me help you and remind you that this is not a season to avoid this is a season to enjoy because it is because of Christmas that we have freedom. It is because of Christmas that we have hope. And it's because of Christmas that God can, has come to us. And that we can come to him. So what does Christmas mean to you? What it should mean to you and I. That Christmas means that we can come to him. But also that he has come to us and that we can come to him. Christmas means that Jesus can get new destinations out of old pathways. And Christmas means that there is a reason to praise. There is a reason for you to praise. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen. Amen.